0: Thanks for watching this episode of Turning to Him. I invite you to just take a few seconds right now at the beginning and subscribe to this channel so that you can get more videos like this in your feed. Thanks again. Hello, everybody. Welcome to this episode of Turning to Him. My name is Zach Batty, and I'm very excited to be meeting with Cameron Arnett. Cameron, how are you doing today?
1: I am extremely well. Thanks for having me.
0: Good. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this. I really appreciate it. Not a problem. Um, First of all, give us just a 30-second rundown
1: of, of your background, where you're from, what you're about. Wow, well, I'm originally from Port Prince, Haiti. Um, for those of you who don't know, it's just a little small little country, you know tip of Florida somewhere, and uh, uh, actually came to Atlanta, which I am now in, from California, left Hollywood, that kind of thing, passed it for about two decades, and now I find myself in the last 10 years in the midst of Christian movie making. It's just been phenomenal.
0: Fantastic. You know, I was looking over your bio. You've had a wide variety of credits. I mean, like you said, you've spent time in Hollywood on some pretty major productions,
1: yeah you know um you know early on i was a uh, pre-med pre-law student in college and wasn't anything that i even thought about and while i was working um at a hospital doing respiratory therapy K.G. those kind of things and um i answered an ad jumped into it ended up winning a, a a competition you know uh got into about another eight or nine competitions won most of those and it just like took a veer and I've been in the entertainment some kind of way. And I tell people that this thing has really uh, cho- chosen me twice in my life. Uh, none, no time did I ever choose that it. it chose me. And so now God made it clear this is what he wants me to do. So I've been really giving myself to it for the last 10 years.
0: Please tell me that at some point in your career, you played a doctor or some type of medical professional.
1: Uh, I have, actually. I did, a, uh, <laughs> I did a role, and I still believe... With uh, which is uh, uh, an Irwin project, uh, the Irwin brothers, and so I played the doctor f- to um, gosh, what's the name of the cags? I can't believe that 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 these guys are, are, are a, a KJ Appa from um, River, R- Riverdale, okay, um, uh, 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 Robertson, I forget her first name, Sarah Robertson, uh, very well accomplished people, and we just had a good time. And I, the Irwin's again, a good you know, uh, brother duo that I had an opportunity to work with. And these guys are really great at what they do.
0: So that, so that all that pre-med training came back to serve you.
1: <laughs> you know, it, 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 came back, you know, I guess at, at that point in time, I was saying, you know, what, you know, I'm, I'm not really a doctor, but you know, I'm now I play one in, in film. So, you know, it's all good. <laughs>
0: That's fantastic. Okay. So you said this, this career chose you twice.
1: Yeah. You know, um, like I said, it, it, with with the whole pre-med thing, you know, I thought I was on my way to being a car, cardiologist.
0: Sorry, right? let, me, let me interrupt you. Your video's frozen. My video's frozen. Yeah, can you? Am I still?
1: Oh, now you're back. Okay, all, all right. right. We'll, we'll be able to cut that bit. <laughs> let me start again. Yeah. So, so what happened was, you know, I was uh, on my way to being a cardiologist. That was the whole trek of college, you know, um, uh, uh, biology, anatomy, physiology, that kind of stuff. And um, when I answered that ad, it just took me away from that to a whole trek of film and, you know, movies and, and, and commercials, that kind of stuff. And when I got out of it, out of L.A., because they, I had gotten my first, and that, that's from Miami to New York to California. So it's like a, a long period of time. And then by the time that I got to California, things were going well, doing episodics, you know, those kind of things. And um, I was doing a, a, a movie of the week in Toronto, Canada. When they asked me to come back, when I when I finished come back home, they wanted me to do the series and I got the role and all things were going well, but then they wanted me to do partial body nudity. And that's when I pulled back and got out of it and ended up leaving the whole thing behind, left Hollywood, left, left uh, film and television. And um, ended up pastoring, like I said, for two decades here in Atlanta. And in 2013, God called me back in uh, someone had invited my wife to something and they were doing this Christian film, which I didn't know. I, I, I didn't want to do it. I said, no, I'm not going. And uh, God showed me within a two week span of time that this was his decision for me. He told me specifically, I want you to go to this one. And it was my first Christian film and uh, the rest is history. And so that's the second time that it pulled me out of what I was doing because I thought I was going to be you know, in the pulpit for the rest of my life. I love teaching the word of God. And so that's really my heart and passion. And so now I'm still a teacher, but I'm a teacher on a different platform.
0: Now, okay, so I want, to get, I want to get more into that. But first of all, how long was your career?
1: We'll call it your Hollywood career. How long was your Hollywood career before you called it quits there? Um, if, if you're talking about when I was actually in Hollywood, then I would say that about a good eight or nine years, Okay. You know, um, prior to that, I was in New York. Prior to that, I was in Miami, but I started actually acting uh, and performing since Miami. It's just that it got stronger and stronger and better and better. You know, it's like when, when I left Miami, and went to New York, I realized, now those are actors, okay? <laughs> yeah. I thought I was an actor. And yeah. then I ran into actors. You know, it, it was, it, they, they lived and breathed acting you know, whether it was on a, on a small stage, whether it was in a commercial, whether it was on a television show, you, these guys were, walk, as a matter of fact, when I first got to New York, I thought a lot of people were just crazy. You know, cause I see, I used to see a lot of people just talk to themselves, right? I'm like, everybody in New York is just talking to themselves. <laughs> and then I started, you know, taking classes and I realized they were all practicing monologues and scenes. Yeah. You know, and so I found myself talking to myself on, on the train, I'm like, oh, I've become one of these crazy people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Fantastic. I love it. Okay. So in that, uh, 10 to 15 years of your acting career, uh-huh. um, what ultimately put it to an end was a request to do uh, partial nudity mm-hmm. for that. Did you, was it difficult for you? I'm sure that you had drawn lines for yourself and say, okay, look, I'm not going to cross this line. I'm not going to cross this line. Um, were there times where you found yourself bumping up against those lines and pushing over it? Or for you, was it always
1: like, look, this is what I'm going to do. This is not what I'm going to do. And there's no argument there. Well, once I became a Christian, there was, there wasn't really an argument because when I decided that Jesus Christ was the Lord, he was Lord. There was no equivocating about that. You know what I'm saying? So I I didn't have an issue making those kind of decisions. It's always a fallout from the decision, you know, um, A lot of times, you know, it was as much as words I didn't want to say in a script, I would change them. And most of the time, people were fine with it. So it's not like they didn't, that it was a a stickler on it. It's just nobody really ever challenged it. And so when I started challenging the words and what I wanted to say and what I didn't want to say, I found a lot of people were, hey, yeah, let's, let's rewrite that. Let's just go ahead and do that. That's not a problem. So I didn't really run into a lot of things that I could not change know a lot of things that um, the world per se uh, put such a a pressure on me that I couldn't do. And so all that time from Miami to New York to California, everything was moving like clockwork. You know, there wasn't really a whole lot that I had to, and especially back in the day too, you don't forget, you're talking about like the 90s, right? You're talking about the 80s and 90s. So there wasn't a whole lot of risque stuff on TV. It wasn't until the late 90s or mid 90s that cable came into play and there was a lot of risque on cable and and television was losing a lot of their viewership to cable. And so they had to keep up. And Mm -hmm. that's why the whole partial body nudity profanity came on television and it got a little darker. And so I think from that point on, it became harder and harder to actually find things that you could do and also became harder Uh, to find people that wouldn't allow you to not do them. Yeah. You know what I'm saying?
0: I love hearing you say that because I think a lot of times any any organization that is trying to uphold standards, Mm -hmm. we get so nervous in that we say, we we tell ourselves a story of, okay, if somebody asks me to do something that I'm not comfortable doing, I can't push back on that because they're going to think that I'm a holy roller or that I'm pious or that whatever. And then, I'm gonna get fired, and then this and that, and we tell ourselves this whole story that isn't even true, and yeah. so we don't even try saying, "Hey, would you be okay if we wrote this?" Because I'm not comfortable saying that,
1: and and a lot of times the answer is, "Oh yeah, no problem." Doesn't make I don't care. Whatever you want. Yeah, a, a, a lot of that a lot of that does happen, and I think that you know um, it's unfortunate that the Saints don't think that they have a right to be the Saints. Yes. You know, um, we we're kind of like raised in the culture as if. The world has a right to be who they are, but we don't. And I don't really know who made that rule, but um, I never, it's something that, that I never succumbed to. You know, um, that, that's, not for, that's not for me. I'm a Christian and I'm, I'm very, you know, unapologetic about it. And I, I don't badger anybody. I'm not trying to hit anybody over the head, but I know that I have a right to be who I am. And so it's never been an issue or a thought as to whether I was going to be me um the 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 only thing was whether you somebody was going to accept it or not and if they did fine if they didn't I was also fine with that and I think that's that's a big difference between me and a lot of actors back then and now because even in Christian filmmaking there are still things that I say no to and um I think the difference is that for me I'm not trying to be an actor. I'm not trying to be a filmmaker. I'm trying to be conformed to his image and likeness. And so, regardless of whether i'm I get something or not, that's not really what I'm going after. If God doesn't want me to have it, I'm okay with that. We you know, we thank him for the open doors, but we don't like to thank him for the closed doors. Yeah. And um I'm okay with the closed doors because I, I know that they're my protection. So the only way for me to be protected is to always be uncompromisingly Christian. And whatever the result of that is, is exactly what God intended. So, um, yeah, that works for me. (laughs) I love it.
0: Why do you think um, your conversion is so complete and so solid when a lot of other great people, I mean, really good people
1: struggle with that? Religion. You know, we, 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 we call a lot of religion Christianity. Okay. And Christianity is Christianity, which means that Christ is king. For me, I have a king, which means I'm not my own. I'm ruled. So so because of that, those things don't come up because I I have a ruler who tells me this is what's right, this is what right what's, what's right, what's, what's wrong. I want you to do this. I don't want you to do that. And it's a command. Yeah, I have a commander. So I don't see what the issue is. I think religion... You know, especially in America, we think we have a vote. You don't vote in the kingdom. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you got to leave that stuff behind, man. <laughs> so I think that's what presents a problem. We think that this is, you know, democracy. There's no democracy in a kingdom, right? So we have to leave our way of thinking of being Americans and independence. There's no independence in the kingdom. There's, you know, there's, there's none of that. And so you have to leave that behind. And I think most Christians never make the cross over to a king in his kingdom. That's yeah. why the gospel of the kingdom is so important because we don't understand. We are in a whole different place in a different realm. All right, we are from heaven. Yeah. We're living on earth, but we're from heaven. So all of our rules and dictation and everything is from heaven. So we have to move according to the will and the ways of our king, not according to how we feel or what we thought. And you may have had authority somewhere, but you're no longer the authority. I don't care what authority you've had you got to go ahead and cast your crown down to the, to the feet of Christ. And, and I think a lot of people just don't do that. They, when, when, when Jesus speaks, they think they have options. Yeah. Uh, I don't see that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I
0: mean, truly childlike
1: and 100% submission. Well, I think the Bible says, unless you become like a child, you can't enter, you can't see the kingdom. Yeah. 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 Well, that ought to tell you something unless, unless, you know, you can come to the, to the father like a child, not an adult, yeah, like a child, then you can't perceive, understand, live in, live by, live through the kingdom. It has no effect on you, which is why most people's lives are the way that they are. you know? um no, He came to give us a life that's out of heaven, and the only way to give us that life is for us to to concentrate on obedience. Sure. If not, then we need to get saved.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somewhat profound. Okay, so you walk away from this career, and I mean, to go from some—I'm—I'm not—I don't want to put words in your mouth, but some would say that going from a very successful Hollywood career to a passionate pastor—that's a big jump.
1: It's a big leap. How did that it's happen? A, it's a big, big leap, and you know, again, I don't think of it. Um, and I've, you know, of course I've answered some of these questions before and some of them are, that you're saying are, are are new, but you know, the, the reality of the situation is I don't look at it as leaving the career behind as much as staying with the Christ that I had, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And so that's the difference I think with most, I didn't leave anything behind. I stayed with my life. My life is Christ. And so I stayed with what was true to me, you know? And so I remained, who I was and whatever had to leave left, you know? <laughs> so, um, but you know, what I tell folks is this, if you're gonna have the, the life that God intended, what you're gonna to have to do is outlast the unraveling of what you put together. See, be, before, before knowing Jesus, we all put a life together that we think is ours. We have the right to choose this and this and this, and we put all this thing together. And when we meet Christ, we begin to obey him. He has to dismantle everything we put together to put together what he wanted in the first place. So you have to outlast the unraveling because it's going to look like all hell will break loose. Everybody's going to w- walk away. Everything's going to you know, go go away. But, but it's because you put it together. Right. Um, so for me, what happened after staying with Christ was the hard part of it was not making the decision. The hard part was outlasting the unraveling, not going back to leeks and garlic, not trying to go back to, 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 to Egypt. You know what I'm saying? Um, that was a hard part because that's all I knew. That's, that's how I identified myself. And that's what paid the bills, if you would. And so now I was like a man without a country. I was a man without a family. I was a man without, without, without. And so what do I do? And so I fell upon just going to church and attaching myself to the, to, to God and his people in his, and his, in his church. I, I started to teach. I started, got to, I mean, I even got on a worship ministry, man. I don't sing. You know what I mean? I, I just got involved, involved in the church and, and one thing led to the next to the next to the next while the unraveling was happening. I mean, all hell was breaking yeah. loose. Okay. I, I don't want to make it seem like it was like, you know, no big deal. No, it was crazy. Yes. But while all that was going on, I had a joy, I had a peace and I was, diving into the things of God and the things of God were now beginning to overtake the things that I had put together. And then all these years later, it's just like, you know, Abraham, Abraham and Isaac and, and David and becoming King and all these things that, you know, years and years later when it falls into place, people look at you as like, Oh my God, how'd you do that? Uh, I outlasted the unraveling. Yes. Okay. I did not put it together again, the way, according to, to Cameron, I let God take away everything and God put in what he wanted. And that's what you're seeing happening. And but people don't want to go that route because they don't want to, you know, when, when my wife and I were pastoring in the, in those two decades that we were pastoring at some point in time, we slept on the floor for five years of the church. We were homeless. Wow. We slept, in order not to go back to what put me in bondage in order for us to allow the unraveling to have its perfect work right patience patience perfect work in order to, to let that happen it put us on the floor for 5 years while we were allowing God to retrain us into how to live this thing in obedience to him the right way but now it's been We've been married now for 26 years, 25 years together, 20, no, 25 years married, 26 years together. Um, we've been uh I've been in this whole film industry now on the Christian side for the last 10 years, and it is glorious. You know what I'm saying? It is more than I could ask or think. I mean, God is so faithful, but he's faithful to the obedient. He confirms his word with Science following, not our opinions, not our desires, you know, you know, he gives us desires to have, and then he confirms those, but if he didn't give it to you, it's not his, he hasn't, he's not obligated to it. And see, that's a whole different mindset that I think people, Christians need to have. And that's why, uh, I think your original question dealt with, with, with with that in a sense of, um, I have a King man. And, and that's what I've learned in the years since making that decision that I made a decision because I had a king. And in, in these 20 something years, what I've learned is how to be more and more and more obedient to that king and how to be more conformed to the image and of that king. Yeah. That's been my life for the last 20 something years.
0: Well, and I tell you what I love is how generous God is in when he says, when we finally turn our life over to him and we say, okay, rebuild it however you want it. He generously says, okay, what are you interested in? Yes, he does. I kind of like acting. Great, I can use actors in my kingdom. Let me, let me do it. I kind of like directing. Great, I kind of whatever. And and it's it's not going to be the way that we originally thought. Yes. But how generous he is that he comes back and he says, "Okay, you love being a pastor, you love being in the entertainment industry. I can put those together. No
1: yes. problem. Yes, we go. That's exactly uh, right. I, I didn't deserve that. I don't deserve that. Don't deserve any of it." Right. But see, what you just said there is what people don't understand and don't get. They think that they're going to say yes to God and God's going to clobber them over the head, make them do something they don't want to do, something that they hate. No. God, God, when, 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 when God created Adam, he brought the animals to Adam and said, you name them. What do you think they should be? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not going to name them for you. You know, I gave you the ability. I gave you my heart, my mind for you to be just like me. I gave you to have dominion on the earth. I'm not going to, I have empowered you to have dominion. It's my, you know, I've delegated it to you. It's really mine, but you have the right to use what I gave you. And so God is not trying to cause people to do what they hate. Now, what happens is that, unfortunately, some people, when they find God, are doing a lot of what God hates. Now, that's a different story, all right? However, if God wants you to do something, he'll also give you a love for it. He also will change your heart towards it. Because I mean, come on, man, as humans, we are not. We don't know how to love, we don't know how to forgive, we don't know how to help nobody, we're all selfish, we're all the flesh. Okay? So, So basically, how do you give up your life for somebody else? God shows you how to do that. He makes you fall in love with that. You know, he, he shows you how to how to really love somebody. Love your wife as, as Christ of the church? Are you kidding me? He died for the church. You want me to die for her? He makes you fall in love with that, okay? All, so all of those are God's enablements. But so, so even if it was something that you didn't like at the beginning or didn't know how to in the beginning, his supernatural power to transform you is what he also makes available to you and before you know it you know you like broccoli yeah yeah <laughs> you like spinach what you know <laughs> that kind of thing your tastes change
0: yes i remember <laughs> vividly so i'm the youngest in my family and i can remember my older sister was the first one to have kids and she you know we were all at a family christmas party or some christmas gathering and And a new movie came out and we said, Hey, let's all go to the movies. And she's got this newborn and she says, okay, have, have fun. I'm going to, I need to be here with my newborn. And I remember thinking, why would anybody want to have kids? Like what a, oh my gosh, that's terrible. And then as soon as I have my own kids, like you said, you just love them. And that's, that's all I want to do. Like. Yeah, you guys go have fun. I'm just going to hang out here and do, and change diapers, and it's going to be awesome.
1: <laughs> nobody prepared you for the love that you would have for your children. I mean, you can't explain that. Yes. Okay, My wife laughs at me because now we have grandchildren. My wife laughs at me because she's like, oh, the strongest man just fold. <laughs> <laughs> that's fantastic. Okay, tell me about Christ Over Career. Okay, Christ Over Career, that's the decision. When I made the, the decision in California, to um to stay with jesus as opposed to you know fame and fortune that kind of stuff um i didn't think of it at the time i just thought it was normal i mean i'm a christian that's what i would do i just choose god over everything right and then after uh getting here uh, uh to atlanta uh passing for all these years and then god calling me back into the 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 uh, film realm which I, like i said i fought it for two weeks God started showing me I would go to sleep he'd give me this dream I'd wake up I start writing this thing I thought he wanted me to write this character every night I'd have a dream for two weeks about the same character I started writing you know put you know on the computer and a week into that he and uh, somebody invites my wife to a, a woman's tea and they were doing this this Christian film they wanted us to help they wanted us to help them get an actor that's out of California and my wife as she on her way heard her God say to her you don't need him you need Cameron on that she didn't know what that meant and she gets there they asked her you don't need him you need Cameron on that they said oh would he come would he you know and she comes back and she tells me they want you to audition for this sum I looked at her she like she was crazy <laughs> which is never a good thing to do with your wife <laughs> and, <thin> ice. <laughs> that was not, yeah that was not good but I walked away from her. And a week goes by and she's still telling me this story about this, this, this character. And at the end of the second week, he says, go to this one. And I go and the character that he was showing me in the night for two weeks was a character that I auditioned for. Wow. Craziness. Wow. Okay. Um, and so the. The perspective of, of 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 giving myself to this, like I I said I didn't want it. That that was not my thing. And I thought I was going to be in the pulpit for uh the rest of my life. And here I was back doing this and I can't even explain it. Wow.
0: Okay. So I mean you do that, you do that role, and then what happens? At, at the end of that role, do you think, okay, hey, God, that was fun. I'm going back to the pulpit and that's where you'll find
1: me pretty much that was a thought and I said I said God okay so I, I number one I hate to audition if anybody knows me I hate to audition and so uh, I said, Lord, you know who I am you you, you made me uh, I'm not having, this is the kind of conversation you know we have I, you made me so you know I hate auditioning so either you're gonna have to change like I said before you'll change either you're gonna have to change how I feel about auditioning or I want you to do the impossible give me what you want without me having to audition. That's how I'll know. Okay, And so he said, okay. And in the last 10 years, I may have done 38, 39 films, maybe six different television series in 10 years. All of them were God given. Wow! I, I auditioned for the first one. And then one in the middle, I really didn't have to audition. They wanted me for the role anyway, but they wanted to see what I would do with it. Okay. So out of all those, I haven't had to audition. God has given it to me. That's why I say I know he's proven this is what he wants me to do. So now I give myself to it wholeheartedly because I know I'm exactly what God wants. Wow. So when when um, I did this role called, uh, 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 the movie was called Overcomer, um, play the role of, of, of Thomas Hill. And the whole Christ over Korea thing came out of that because when I did that role, and um, after all these years, you know, after I made that decision, which I didn't know that it was anything special, you know, I thought every Christian would have made the same decision, but I found out that's not true. Um, but when I got that role, it, it kind of catapulted me to another kind of uh, a level of, of media. And i I got interviewed by a lot of secular and also Christian people and it was a secular media that that kind of penned it because they started saying wait a minute you chose Christ over your career it became uh, i mean from person to person it was like oh and so it became a tagline and yeah. they it, and when they wrote the articles they said carry on that choose christ over career you know, that kind of so it became even secular people understood it Yes. Right. And as I was being interviewed one time in in, in uh, uh, this uh, uh, Christian uh, uh, interviewer, he said, "Man, that sounds like that's your message, man. Like Christ was great. and it became part of what the ministry is, you know. And so that it was birthed out of that decision. But as I go and I teach, and I I started going to teaching different film festivals and churches, and I started giving my testimony of that making that decision, people looked at me like I was strange. I'm like, "Wait a minute, wouldn't you have made the same decision?" And I realized. Most Christians would have not. Yeah, that's and that's problem. where the problem comes in. Yeah, I and mean, that's where the problem. Comes
0: in. You know, on two levels. Number one, uh, it—I I would imagine—I'm—I'm I'm not in that boat. But I would imagine it's very hard to walk away from fame and fortune. That's an addiction. That's a—that's a great chemical, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Drug. But yeah. number two, um, you know, I would think a, a lot of people. Uh, I mean, the phrase is a starving actor. A lot of people are saying, "This is how I make my money." And if that means I got to do partial nudity to put food on the table, I'm going to do it. And and
1: that's it's a tough call. It's
0: a really tough call.
1: Yeah. And and, and that's what, again, most people do. Um, and that's that's why Christ of Korea is so important, because now uh, God has basically enlisted me into this now international ministry of of calling the church back to his lordship because what what he made clear to me in in, in in the whole year, year and a half now, well, actually we've been teaching from this perspective now for a few years, but it became legit maybe last August. We started actually launched the the whole uh, campaign of Christ over Korea last August. And so um, in the process of that, um, God showed me that the message is not Christ over Korea. Christ over Korea is actually the result of the relationship the result of the message of the kingdom the reason why i was able to make that decision so easily is because i had a relationship with the king and so now i'm really diving into getting people to understand that it's his lordship the issue with your life not being able to make that same decision that same way in whatever area that you're called to is because you, he's not king he's not lord um and so the 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 need is to seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. The need is to understand that the kingdom has a king and He's the ruler, um, and to have an affinity for Him and a reverence for Him that way, so that whatever He wants is your, you know, your closest whim It's like His whim is like your command. You know, uh, the Bible talks about how David was just thirsty, and the mighty men just traversed all kind of terrain to just go give him a cup of water. And it's like that's that's the kind of relationship we're supposed to have with with Jesus. He just he just has a whim of something, and we want that's what we want to do. And that's the relationship with the King that I have and want to have. Um, and I and I try now to uh, impart that to everyone that I meet. You need that's what he's looking for, and that's really the answer to the life that you actually want, even though you don't know it.
0: Yeah. You know, I love uh, two things. I love that <clears throat> the Bible has a lot of names for Christ and a lot mm. of names for God. And I think at different chapters in our life, we, we tend to associate more with different names. And I think there is a, a, a caution. We need to be cautious when we associate Christ too much with our friend. He absolutely is our friend, mm-hmm. but... Like, like you were saying at the beginning, if, if it's a friend, then we're having a casual debate about stuff. And a friend says, hey, let's go to this movie. And I'm like, no, nah, I want to go to this movie. And you're having a debate. And I think sometimes we need to focus more on the title of King, like you are saying. We like, do. An absolutely benevolent King, perfect King, all loving King with my best interest in mind.
1: But at the end of the day, King. Yeah. You, you no, know, t- totally in agreement. And okay. You know, that goes without saying that is what I, how I live. Yeah. Now, the only w- thing that I will tweak with that is that the issue with us is when you, when you, when you speak, when you, uh, uh communicate, there's this thing called definition of terms, because sometimes we s- use the same word, but we have different meaning. Yes. All right. And that's why we end up on, on the wrong page. You th- I'm thinking you thinking this, what I'm thinking. And no, we, we have a different meaning for, the, for, that, for that term. But so we have to define our terms. And so what happens is that when you have a king, when you have a Lord, when you have the scriptures, you have to begin to define every word by the author. Mm-hmm. See, the author is the writer and the, and, and the meaning of each and every word. That's the problem is that we are still we are defining these words according to our vernacular, according to our Western world, according to Americanism. And so to us, a friend is casual. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah.
1: To Jesus, a friend is another meaning. He said, no longer I call you servants, but I call you friends because I make all things known to you. A friend is on another level. It's like when we even in the scriptures tell us, what, 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 what man of you will have a friend that comes at midnight and he will not come in, you know, and, and he bangs on the door with importunity. Will you not come and tell him, hey, I don't care about whatever else but here, you know? And so a friend knows, man, I don't care who, I don't care what you, I don't care if it's three o'clock in the morning. If we're friends, I'm gonna knock on your door at three o'clock in the morning because yeah. we're friends. We're not acquaintances, we're not world kind of friends. No, we are friends. I I was watching something today, and sometimes you know uh, uh, the the Bible says when when the world acts more like the word of God is true than we do, it's an indictment against us. There's a uh, I was watching this because uh, I do a lot of studying and and, and and get the word from wherever I can. I, I I study a whole bunch of different things, different people, and these guys were talking totally secular, totally. I mean, as a matter of fact, I I I shy away from it a lot because. Profanity. I, I don't want to deal with, deal with all that. But these guys, these two two guys, they're not brothers, but they're they're they they're friends. Mm-hmm. And this guy says, you know what? I take a bullet for, for for Joe, because Joe is this and this and this and that. And the guy's interviewing and say, wait a minute. Well, if you took a bullet for Joe, uh, your your family would be this. Your this would happen to your family. He said, no, 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 no. If I took a bullet for Joe, Joe would take care of my family. He would take care of this. He would do. And that's what. We're supposed to be, yeah, yeah, as Christians, right? That's who Jesus is to us. He came and took the bullet for us, so that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. He's supposed we're he's trying to transform us into people that will die for each other. Mm-hmm. That's a friend. That's what yeah. he calls a friend, you know. And even though Judas was came up come up to him to, to, to betray him, he calls him, "Hey, friend." See, you're actually coming to do the will of my father, friend. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. But that's... that's that's. See, so now if we redefine yes. It, and it...
0: Yes. Then we can be the redefinition of it. Yeah, making sure that we, to, the, to as much as we are capable of, seek to understand the mind of God. Even though we, will, we never fully will. But if we try to put in that effort, he will
1: teach us and educate us and lift our understanding. He, he, he will teach us, educate us, lead us, guide us. He will circumvent our flesh, circumvent our own will. You know, it's like, again, you have a little baby and, and you, you teach them, teaching them to walk. You safeguard the house. You you uh, proof it, baby proof it. You do all of what you got to do. You put it in the carpet, whatever you got to do, because they're going to fall. But you're yeah. circumventing all of that and you don't blame them because they fall, they are actually falling towards you. They're falling towards walking. They're falling towards growth. Okay. So God looks at us like that and dotes on us while we're falling. And so we don't have to worry about none of that, but there's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. He even shows you, wait a minute, there's a friend that's a a friend, you know, that's that's that's, that's who I want you to be. And that's something that you need to keep. And so As a redeemer, a reconciler and a restorer, that's what he does. He takes everything that, that, that Satan gave us upside down and he redeems it, he reconciles it and restores it to what it's supposed to be. And so as we find anything that doesn't look like him, doesn't say, we have to redefine it according to him and embody it. And the world and the rest of the church will begin to see what that's really like. Yep. And see, in watching those guys talk about each other and how they h- how they would take care of each other's families and what they would do for one another, we see a picture of the world understanding what friends are really supposed to be like more so than we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Hey, I want to go back to uh, a phrase that you said that I love of outlasting the unraveling. Yeah. <laughs> what um, what caught you most off guard in your out- unraveling? Ooh. What
1: caught me most off guard? You said, "Man, I was." I wouldn't I wouldn't, say, I wouldn't thing. say things caught me off guard. I, I would say things were certain things were harder than others. Okay, you know what I'm cool, saying? Because cool. it didn't catch me off guard, but it it was harder. Um, I was I was married before. Okay, and um, my ex-wife left, took took the children. Um, if anybody would have told me that I would have been, I would have had two different families. I would have told you that's not, impo- that's not possible. That's not who I am. Yep. Um, so the unraveling of that, cause I did not choose that it was chosen for me. Meaning that I didn't leave her, she left me. Um, once I made that decision for Christ and, and money dried up, everything dried up, everything, you know, so that happened and, and the hardest part of it all were not being, was not being with my children and having to bear, the stigma of a deadbeat dad. Okay. That was extremely hard. That's still hard, you know, even right now. And I'm, that's like 25, 26 years ago. Okay. And that's still hard. Um, that was the hardest thing to, the, 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 that was the hardest thing the, the night that I told my daughter that we wouldn't be in the same house, I broke down and we actually we actually cradled each other all night long and slept on the floor all night long um, and cried all night long. Um, But that was, again, a a decision that I didn't make that was made. But then the guy is always wrong, isn't he? And that's how it was. And that's how it still is in in the mind of a lot of people. Um, but you know, that is that that doesn't bother me anymore. What people, the stigma, that doesn't bother me anymore. I went through that, that's that's over. But it's the relationship with my children that I didn't have. Uh I, I you know, um I had the opportunity to raise my daughter for the first eight years of her life, man. We were like inseparable. And that was like a decapitation for me. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I—I was—that I, was, that was a losing of a limb.
0: Yeah, mm, that is—that is so tough. And just a remind, you know, a constant reminder to me that, um, God's path is not easy. It's easier than the alternative, especially in the long run. But it is not an easy path. The, the the path of discipleship
1: is not rainbows and unicorns. Oh my goodness, no! It, it, it not only is it not. But but it is not because we don't start off right. So it's almost like everybody who, come, who everybody who gets saved, gets born again, comes in dysfunctional. Yeah. And we come in from a dysfunctional thinking, dysfunctional, uh, dysfunctional relationship, all that. And God has to wipe all of that out, cleanse all of that out. And hopefully we allow him to. Or we don't live saved, dysfunctional lives, which a lot of people do. Mm-hmm. They become saved, they have a tag of saved, but then they still live dysfunctional. Their lives are still a mess, they're still chaotic, they still make decisions the same way, they're still fighting at home. All that kind of stuff is still going on, but they go to church and say hallelujah. That's a different story. Um, but the unraveling happens because we come in dysfunctional until we we are someone that changes the lineage of those who follow after us. Everywhere, somewhere, somebody's first. Okay, yes. Yeah? And so unfortunately for me, I became the first, but by the time that I became the first, I was an adult. Yep. So I had children, I had lived a crazy life. I mean, I had raveled all kind of mess. So that unraveling happens for me but it still has the side effects
0: of having yes. had a
1: crazy life yes. as a pastor in those 20, 20 years as a pastor, I was able to my wife and I were able to um, raise young people that we end up marrying. And, and and birth their children and, and those kind of things. So, they, their parents, came into our hands at 18, 19, 20. So, they didn't have the mess that I had already built. They had their teenager mess. They had their, you know what I'm saying? But they didn't have all the, the stuff. And so, we discipled them. Yeah. And, and those of them who stayed with us and actually obeyed God, they grew. They got married, they had children, they raised up their children. So their children now have been raised differently than my children were. So I'm the first and it's almost as if they became my children and then their children are now really getting the benefit of a a right upbringing. Yeah. So hopefully they don't have to go through the same unraveling because they've learned it and been a part of it so much younger hopefully they're not put they, they won't they won't put lives together that have to be unraveled so much i'm not saying that they won't have their little mess but hopefully it doesn't go as far as what i did because their parents didn't go as far as i did yeah okay yeah, their yeah, parents yeah. learned from my wife and i and powerful you know young married couples of god man i mean powerful people you know making impact right doing making changes and so Because we see that in them, we pray that the same is for their children because the issue with their children is that they're also coming up in an age where, man, chaos is chaotic. Insidiousness is insidious, man. We're looking at things that we never thought we'd see. Yeah, yeah. You know? And so they have a lot to contend with. But, you know, prayerfully, because their parents have been discipled the way that they have, they won't go through the mess because their parents are not portraying the mess, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think I may have portrayed to my children. Right you know. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, and you, you do the best that you can with the tools that you have available to you. Correct. And, you know, hopefully, um, hopefully, there's just a plethora of positive influences in our children's life. So they're hearing it from their parents, they're hearing it from their spiritual leaders, they're hearing it from Hopefully they're friends. They're hearing it from lots of different sources, exactly. and so it gives them that strength and that that full
1: conversion that you have. Exactly, exactly. And 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 that's that's the kingdom. That's the whole kingdom perspective. You know, it's not just you know here, but it's everywhere. Everything that surrounds you. You know, one of the things that I know we did with uh, um one of our sons as we were raising him is that we we always taught him how to see. We didn't ne- we didn't necessarily try to uh, hide um anything from him we we taught him how to view and understand and how to perceive what he was seeing so that way when he would see something off he would know that it's off and why you know as we gave him the reasoning behind it and um so those are the kind of things that i I think that we we, we've been able to hand down and you know and then some people receive and some people don't and those who do you can see the difference and so who don't you can see the difference you know but um I, I, I just worship and praise God that we've been able to uh, change the lineage of families, mm-hmm. even though they're not our natural family, but but our spiritual children, yeah, um, so. that, um, yeah, they, they have a better upbringing.
0: Cameron, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you man, for thank making you the so. world a better place. Holy smokes. <laughs> this has been such a fantastic interview.
1: Oh, thank you, man. I appreciate it.
0: If you were to put your message on a bumper sticker of 15 seconds, what What do you wish just the world, everybody in the world could grab
1: hold of? Christ's whole career is calling the church back to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, putting him and keeping him at the helm of every decision. Jesus Christ is coming back and we are preparing a people for his return. I love it. I can get behind that.
0: Thank you, sir, very much for your time. I appreciate it.
1: You're very welcome, man. God bless you. Same to you.